T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The COVID-19 pandemic has meant a host of challenges and some setbacks for students at all levels throughout the metropolitan area. Classrooms have shut down, teaching has been forced online where possible, and the part-time jobs some may have used to pay for books or survival may have dried up because of the state shutdown. Now, if you're the head of a higher education system, you've got big problems to solve. But Juan Salgado probably wouldn't know what it's like to work when there's not a crisis. He heads the City Colleges of Chicago, and he's ready to talk with us. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. Juan Salgado presides over a community college system serving more than 80,000 students. He took over the City Colleges of Chicago in the spring of 2017, then Mayor Rahm Emanuel appointed him, and he faced a budget crisis and slowly improving enrollment numbers from the start. Who knew that those might have been the good old days compared to now? Uh, Juan Salgado has been involved with education and equity for most of his career. He was president and CEO of Instituto del Progreso Latino on the West Side. That group helped low-income workers get the education and skills they needed to land higher-paying jobs. He was a Chicago Park District board member, and I always like saying this, he won a MacArthur Foundation Genius Grant in 2015. I, I'm just happy to know a real genius. Uh, mm. Now he uh, runs the seven community colleges. We are still complying with social distancing guidelines with miles between us now. We're conducting this interview via Zoom conferencing. Juan Salgado, thank you for joining me and welcome back to the program. Craig, uh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate uh, getting the invitation and uh, your work uh, over the years and certainly during this time period is of critical importance for our city. Well, thank you. We are uh, we 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 try. We it is a team effort, and we're all trying. Uh, let's talk about what's happened on your landscape, though, because the coronavirus has literally changed everything in Chicago. Um, students in Chicago public schools who are already struggling to overcome obstacles like poverty, hunger, and lack of resources now have to cope with le- learning from a distance. At least they had to if they could. Uh, Talk about the challenges the city colleges have met with a student body that frankly has many people with some of the same kinds of challenges for themselves. Yeah, I think that's right, um, Craig. I mean, in fact, over, you know, we, we receive 50%, nearly 50% of all CPS students that go on to post-secondary education actually come to City Colleges of Chicago. And we also serve a wide range of community members. Um, but look, I, I'm... I'm so proud 
of city colleges and how we responded to this crisis. You know, we um, we took a week off, uh, 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 and in that one week, we were able to get uh, our credit courses uh, online. We went from 10% of our credit courses operating online uh, to 92% of those courses operating online. We also did something that was so important, which is get computers and uh, MiFi's into the uh, hands of our students uh, so that they can uh, not be impacted by the digital divide. And so we distributed over 3,000 computers, uh, nearly 2,000 MiFi hotspots to our students uh, in time for them to continue on with their education. And we've had a, um, a smooth ending, I would say as smooth as you could have in a situation like this to the end of our uh, spring semester. And so our students are resilient. Uh, our faculty and staff uh, and, and leadership rose to the occasion. And uh, we're very proud that we were able to provide some, some level of normalcy, if you will, within a very um, you know, changing world where nothing is normal right now for us as human beings. We were able to bring education into the homes of those students and have the continuity of their studies uh, in place uh, in using these kinds of formats, using Zoom uh, to bring the classroom into the uh, into the students and making sure that uh, the curriculum and the uh, was all online. Now, uh, Chancellor, as you said, this you got this stuff up and running in a week. Why was the city college system ready to move like that? Because, I mean, in some ways, the Chicago public schools uh, based their run-up on what you had already done. Uh, what were you guys doing before that you were able to do this so quickly? Well, I think one of the things is that we, we have a learning, a, a learning platform um, that uh, was already in place uh, that our students were used to going on to that our faculty utilized um, in order to post their course, course syllabus and materials. Uh, so we had invested in that uh, learning platform uh, many years, several years ago, uh, and we'd already trained our faculty on the learning platform. And so what needed to happen in the week's time is to ensure that the, the, the body of course materials that were brought into the classroom were actually onto the learning platform. And then what needed to happen is that we needed to train our faculty and our staff, because we had all student services up and running, on how to properly use the Zoom technologies um, you know, as sort of their classroom tech, right? When you walk into a classroom, you've got a series of text tools within the classroom. Um, in this case, Zoom becomes your tech tool along with the learning platform that the students are accessing. And so uh, investments in technology made along the way, and, and those investments aren't just in the tech, but it's in the training of the people to utilize the tech, I think is what enabled us to do this um, within a very short period of time. And, and, and also, I think that our, um, we met our challenge in terms of being able to provide uh, 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 computers and hotspots to our students, 
but the proportion of the challenge at Chicago public schools is just so much higher, right? They're talking about distributing 100,000 devices, right? We distributed around 3,000. And do you, do you got full saturation of the student population with that? I mean, in other yeah, words, it, people had some equipment already, so you didn't have to make that up that much? That, that, that's correct. Um, so that we, every student that requested a computer or a MiFi hotspot received one, okay? Um, and so, you know, that uh, we met the full extent um, of the demand that we had uh, within our student population base. That, by the way, also includes our adult education students um, who also are doing distance learning at this moment. Uh, and they also received laptops and uh, MiFi hotspots. How, do the how does the faculty uh, keep track of how well students are doing in that kind of circumstance? Because uh, as those of us who are uh, trying to work from home know, uh, this works better for people who are self-starters. And not everybody is ready to sit down and, and get to work right away. How, you know, how well were the, the professors able to monitor that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, as you might imagine, um, you know, the, this was a very big concern of ours. This was very new. We didn't know uh, what would actually occur. And yet, uh, what we've seen is that the Zoom technologies, um, when you're doing the synchronous instruction, it's very much like being in a classroom. Um, and, uh, you know, students uh, that uh, were prior, were, were engaged prior to the pandemic, um, I think found, uh, you know, sort of comfort in the idea that you're, you're back with your professor, you're back in your classroom, you're back with uh, fellow students, right? And, uh, you know, those social interactions, albeit they're not happening in a physical format, they are still social interactions. Um, and so we did see quite a few um, students adjusting to it. Um, we saw student government uh, holding events, uh, you know, if you will, on Zoom, right? <laughs> so they got a DJ and they all joined in together and they had pizza parties, um, similar like they would have on campuses. And so all around the campus community, people adjusted. Now, I will say that, you know, um, we, 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 we also were, were paying attention and continue to pay attention to student drop-off. We know that there are students that, uh, among our students, that have extra burdens. They had extra challenges even before the pandemic, and they have even more now. Um, and so where our, where our students struggle with engagement, it's because they're struggling with a number of life um, responsibilities that they have. We have a lot of student parents. Um, nearly 50% of our students are student parents. <laughs> Their parents themselves are ready. And therefore, now they have the child care. They might also have adult care, right? Um, they, they uh, you know, just a simple thing about feeding your children. <laughs> you know, usually your children are going off to school and they're getting a couple of meals from school during the day. Now you are responsible for 
those meals in addition to the classroom, in addition to the work. And so, you know, these are the kinds of things that we have to be present for our students for. We added, I think, about three, if not four, um, you know, uh, wellness center staff members, right, just in the last few months at certain colleges. Um, and we'll be looking to figure out how do we continue to provide those kinds of supports to our students so that they can succeed. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that kind of support because this is something you did this week. I mean, City College students are not known for being wealthy, although some of, some of them might be, but I know a lot of them are struggling right now, as you were saying. Um, but you took, can you talk about the steps you took this week to use uh, federal money to help some of the neediest students? Yeah, so we uh, were, were very pleased that the Congress approved funding for community colleges in the CARES Act. I will point out, Craig, though, that as usually happens, the per student rate for community college students was much less than the four-year college student per student rate. Um, and it makes no sense to me just because, um, you know, community colleges generally uh, serve students that are in greater need. But we have taken the resources that we have gotten um, and we're putting them to, into the hands of students. And so within a week of receiving those funds, uh, we were able to get uh, funds in the hands of our students. We're upwards of 8,000 students having accessed um, $350 uh, each. And every day that continues um, to grow. There's some things that they need to do. They need to attest to the fact that they do have a housing or a food um, or, um, or some sort of technology need because this uh, funding was intended for students that you know, actually have that. And so they just attest that they have that need. And uh, after doing so within two to three days, um, we dropped those $350 um, in their bank accounts. We received $12.7 million we allocated roughly 60% to go to students based on a $350 per eligible student formula. And then we've allocated 40% of the 12.7 million to go especially to students that um, are uh, experiencing even greater impacts. That is our homeless student population, our housing insecure student population, our food insecure student population. We know this because we surveyed them before the pandemic. Um, we know that um, we, we have um, pretty large populations of students that were experiencing these challenges before the crisis, and we've reserved some money to help them above and beyond the $350 per student. Mm. Um, we've also raised money, Craig, uh, for students that uh, the CARES Act left out, okay? or Betsy DeVos left out. Um, and so uh, that's important too. And when you say that, do you mean students who are undocumented? Yes, um, uh, and this was not our, was, was in Congress. Um, this was an interpretation by Betsy DeVos that came you know, three weeks after the fact um, and uh, basically excluded DACA, undocumented and international students. You are listening to News Radio 780's at issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. We are talking via Zoom conferencing with City Colleges of Chicago Chancellor Juan Salgado. Um, 
before we leave the uh, the issue of the uh, CARES Act money, I know that there was another press release that went out this week that members of the, uh, or actually last week, the colleges teachers union wanted a say in how the money was distributed. Um, how, how was that concern addressed and or resolved? <laughs> well, I think that there's, um, obviously we've been clear and transparent. We've got a site on our website that shares uh, updates on how the CARES Act funds um, are being utilized. At this point, the only dollars we've received are the $12.7 million that goes directly to students. Craig, there is a, another portion that comes to institutions, another $12.7 million that city colleges would receive. And quite frankly, at this point, we are still um, waiting for further guidance from the U.S. Department of Education. We've asked several questions to them more specifically so that we um, at the management level can even know what our options are. And we have received no answers to our questions. So we've received none of the money and none of the uh, answers to our questions. And we presume what they're doing right now is coming up with the answers so that they can then distribute to us the money. And so, um, you know, we continue to work uh, within the college system with our presidents, with our faculty council, with many stakeholders um, to keep them informed. But let's be clear, this is emergency funds from the federal government that needs guidance from the federal government in order for us to even begin to think about and in earnest how we would utilize those resources. With or without the answers to your questions, are you certain you're getting the money? Yes. Okay. <laughs> we, don't, we don't know under what conditions we're going to get the money. <laughs> okay. Well, let's 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 talk a little bit about money too. I, mean, I should ask, uh, how is the uh, system's budget? do or the, this is the budgets but uh, how are those budgets doing uh, with the kind of disruption that we've had this year well I, I mean I will say we're still working through our budget for the coming year um, as it relates to uh, the budget for the year that we're in you know we've made decisions uh, with our students best interest in mind you know we bought computers not knowing whether we would have resources to pay for them because we knew our computers needed, I mean, our students needed those computers. Um, and so, you know, we'll get to the end of the year and assess um, where we're at uh, financially in this past year. We did make the decision, Craig, for the coming year um, not to raise tuition for our students for now the fifth year in a row. Um, we're one of the very few institutions in the state um, you know, uh, that has been able to do that. Um, and we, we, we're doing that again this year, um, understanding that, you know, our students are, you know, struggling uh, financially as well. Uh, but we'll find a way. I'm confident that we as an institution um, will find a way. Um, we'll put a very high premium on ensuring that um, our student supports are there. Um, so that, you know, our students can continue to persist. Uh, we've also raised private money. I've raised $2 million to date in a chancellor's retention fund. This fund is intended to help students um, that may be struggling with tuition to cover some tuition costs, right? Um, I did this in the last spring term, 
um, uh, albeit a much smaller program. We invested about uh, half a million, uh, $500,000 um, in, in student accounts, small amounts of money, two, $300 to help them uh, you know, with some of their costs. And you know what? Two or $300 for each student to help pay for tuition goes a long way, okay, yes. um, in helping them out. And so I'm going to keep raising more money um, to help students in that regard, uh, along with making sure that our overall budget, uh, you know, preserves, um, you know, student supports. I want to ask you some questions about uh, about the, the the future near term, I guess, uh, which mainly the fall. But the coronavirus is not going to be eradicated in by September. Uh, there's no vaccine. What is college life going to look like? Come the new term. Yeah, Craig, it's uh, it's obviously a fluid situation, but we are looking at you know scenarios uh, as an institution, right? We already know how to operate in a complete face-to-face -face environment uh, as we were operating prior to the pandemic, but we also now know how to operate in a remote environment as we have done over the last you know a few weeks and as we're doing by the way in the summer session as well our summer session is completely online um, and remote and so we know how to do both of these things we will use every bit of capacity that we have today including our remote our online and our face-to-face -face, in order to uh, deliver ongoing services for our students there are a small set of courses that we have not been able to complete. It's roughly 8% of our courses. Think about those hands-on labs that students need to be doing. Um, you know, think about culinary programs and construction technology programs um, and our uh, utility worker program with, uh, with partners like People's Gas. We will prioritize any um, on-campus instruction to those programs to ensure that those programs are able to continue not just uh, after the stay-at-home order is lifted but well into the fall and so uh, courses that you know can be done remote and online you know we will um, you know we will probably do uh, remote and online um, with some face-to-face -face component those that have late lab sessions um, tied to them, they will probably be more face-to-face, -face, right, with some remote options. And so, uh, but the great news is that we've learned how to do um, this remote instruction, and we can strengthen the online and remote instruction, uh, especially should we need to, given the conditions on the ground. And we just don't know the extent to which we are going to need to, right, um, at this moment in time. While we are talking about the kinds of courses uh, that could be hands-on, how is the Colleges to Careers uh, set of programs working out through all of this? Because depending upon what it is, whether it's logistics in, in one case or healthcare, you are talking about some specialized programs with specialized partners. How are the, how have they done? Yeah, uh, never more important uh, to have our um, centers for excellence than it is now, quite frankly. 
Because if you think about the industries that um, are going to, you know, be, we're going to be reliant on as a society, but also um, for jobs, right? You think about what? You think about healthcare. You think about transportation, distribution, and logistics. You think about technology, right? And the fact that we have been able to build capacity um, in, in, in delivering instruction uh, and building programs in these particular areas uh, is, you know, really of great, you know, benefit that we can build off of, right? Uh, and obviously, some of those have lab components. Um, that's why we're building uh, instructional plans with social distancing uh, protocols for those uh, kinds of courses that have labs um, that we want to run that are in high demand in the marketplace, right? That's the whole point around organizing, uh, you know, uh, our colleges in this way or organizing a portion of what we do at our colleges. Keep in mind, Craig, a big part of what City Colleges does is not just the college to careers as people traditionally think about it. A big part of what we do is transfer to four-year universities. And so, you know, the other thing that's going on is you've got all these students that had planned to go to four-year universities. And if you've got a listener around, you know, uh, right now that, that there's one of those students, keep in mind you don't have to take a break here. You can come to city colleges. You can take the credits that you've earned and transfer them to the four-year university that you were planning to go to that maybe you're not so uh, you know, ready to go to now for health and safety reasons, or maybe for economic reasons, you know, we have a very affordable rate. Um, and we have transfer agreements with hundreds of four-year universities, certainly guaranteed admissions agreements with the University of Illinois and with DePaul and several other universities. And so um, they should really give us a look um, during this time, Craig. What is on the horizon. I know right now, you know, up to this point, a lot of what's going on is just thinking about we've got to survive this year and get through it. But mm -hmm. I know you, you're, you're probably also thinking, okay, when we get some breathing room, what's the next thing that you want to attack at the city colleges? Yeah, well, you, we're, we're actively working, you know, um, actually with the mayor's office, um, as she envisions how this city emerges. You know, she has set this incredible vision that has me so excited about it as a Chicagoan, as someone who has worked in community development for so many years. You know, she's facing this moment and she is saying, we are going to earn an additional star on the Chicago flag. We are going to we are going to come out of this pandemic and use the moment to solve the many inequities and inequalities that we have across our city. I think city colleges plays heavily there, right? As it relates to um, how we recover, how communities recover, how the hardest hit communities in Chicago continue to um, advance. Uh, and, and so that's what's on my mind right now. It's hard to talk about a lot of specifics, you know, 
right now there's a number of ideas, ideas that you know we're sharing. But the one thing that has me inspired is that we have a mayor that's thinking that way, right? And organizing our city and our business leaders and our educational leaders around that concept that you know um, we're gonna build, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna recover, right? In a way that's miraculous um, and in a way that uh, lives our Chicago values. We've got just 30 seconds left, but I've got to think for you personally, that has got to be especially exciting because this is what you, this is how you started doing that kind of mission, right? That, that's right, Craig. You know, you know, you, um, we don't make these moments, right? But we need to be ready for these moments, okay? You know, we didn't expect this to happen, but it's how we face the moment. Um, and in the work that I've done in communities over years, I've watched people in local communities face moments. Um, that's how you learn <laughs> how to face moments, when you see others face those moments in their homes, in their lives, when they lose a child, when they lose a job, um, when the world seems to be falling um, apart and people rise up. And that's what I believe is gonna happen in this city. And city colleges will be right there making sure it happens for our students. Thank you very much. That is City Colleges of Chicago Chancellor Juan Salgado. Thank you for spending this time with us. Uh, to our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at wbbmnewsradio.com. Just follow the podcast links. You can also find our podcasts on radio.com. I'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.